Hey, everybody. It's Allison. Did you miss me? I missed me. I am getting ready to come back to the podcast, and we're releasing an older episode today from a movie we did a very long time ago, and it was sitting in our episode bank. And we're going to give it to you guys today while we sort out some scheduling. It doesn't have the signature patter of uh, the smooth, polished, perfect podcast that you've come to know and love over the years. But it's a great movie, and it's a great episode, and it just makes me excited to record all kinds of brand new ones. So please enjoy, and uh, I love you, and I know Hallie does too. If scary movies give you dread, keep you up late night in bed. Oh, hi, I'm Hallie Kiefer. And I'm Allison Libby. And welcome back to Ruin, the podcast where we absolutely ruin a horror movie for you. It's so fun. <laughs> to I ruin love things. horror movies so much, and I just want to talk about them all the time. Unfortunately, Allison has a Crippling Terrifying fear. Terrifying flaw. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Crippling fear of all things horror. Uh, and I don't like watching these movies, but I want to know what happens because I love information. And I would just want to talk to, I just want to say words out loud. And yeah. thank God Allison lets me do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for 40 minutes at a time. The uh, movie we are doing this week is uh, 2018's Unsane, directed by the illimitable Steven Soderbergh. Mm hmm. Um, and it stars Claire Foy. Foy? Yeah, Foy. Foy. I don't know why that, that sounded crazy coming out of my mouth. Claire Foy as the hilariously named Sawyer Valentini. And that's the only part of this movie I'm like, oh boy, is, uh, what kind of name is that? That's it's, like a um, Hallmark Christmas movie type of name. Oh, it's very, yeah, it's, it's. I think when you get a name like that, it just takes me, I'm like, I'm already like not on this person's side because that name sounds so fake and stupid. And then the other thing we need to talk about is the title, which is yeah. Unsane, which is not right. No. Unsane, the word is insane. You're yes. either sane or insane, unsane. And every time I see it, it makes me think, do you remember that Mashbox 20 song where it's like, I'm not crazy, I'm just a little unsane. Oh, yeah. Now, we're really dating ourselves. Like, kids don't know about Matchbox 20, do no, they? No, kids have no idea what Matchbox 20 is. Don't look it up. Don't look it you up. You don't have time. Rob you Thomas? have to live your lives. Is so that we right? have it. Wait, what? Rob Thomas? Is yeah. Is that Matchbox 20? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, that's spooky. But other than that, I, I really enjoyed this movie. The and trailer is very scary. Um, I, I'd like to get your feelings about sort of the central idea, which is— uh, the, the, something that is in so many horror movies. Yes. And this is sort of the focus of the experience of being one in the mental institution. Yes. It is always, it's on the periphery of so many horror movies. What are your feelings about the mental institution? I think it's a great horror movie location, device, theme, like whatever it is, because like it is a real thing. It is mm -hmm. something that we uh, mythologize. Like there, there are plenty of uh, hospitals for mental illness that obviously are just functioning hospitals, but, like, they, they seem so shrouded in secrecy. Like, the way right. we talk about mental health is inherently wrong. Um, right. So, like, you don't know what happens in those places. And it is all kind of this, like, conjecture of, like, I think they just shock you and, like, when you can't, like, the whatever, the when you can't trust yourself, who do you trust? Exactly. Which is, like, the tagline or whatever for the movie. And it's it's because they're real. Um. Yeah, and I guess, like, historically, like, we think of, like, mental institutions as a hundred years ago, you know, like in America, right. at least like we sort of deinstitutionalized in the seventies, as far as I understand, of course we did not actually figure out a way to healthfully deal with mental illness. No. So now people, 
you know, end up on the streets or they end up in prison in these yes. really horrible situations in a way that's really tragic. And I feel like that's like just compounds this other part of it yes. where it's like entering a mental institution you are giving up your autonomy in a way that is empirically very scary. Yes. And then even more scary than prison, which is terrifying enough, is the idea that because you are not mentally, maybe in a position sound. where you yeah. can't, you're not mentally sound, you then have no control over your life. Right. And like, that is terrifying. Take these pills, do this procedure. Like, we're, like, we're you, we're, like, we're you now. And right. it just is very scary. And I, weirdly, I've been reading a lot of stuff. Like, I read this incredible book. Here's a book recommendation for the Ooh. podcast. It's called The Collected Schizophrenias. It sounds And it's very by, scary. Um, I believe the, uh, the author, I believe it's, her name is Esme Weijin Wang. And she is someone who has um, schizophrenia. But I mean, I think she's been diagnosed with a couple of like, right. schizoaffective disorder. But she's someone who's really experienced this. And sort of what people talk about now is like, when you are put in the, these facilities, make things 10 times worse a lot of the time. Yes. If you're paranoid, you will become more paranoid because right. now you are isolated and you don't know what's going on. You don't know who people are. If you are going to hurt yourself, you are then restrained. That is even more frightening. Yes. And I think what sucks is like, we just don't, we don't know what we're we don't doing know. yet. Yeah. And it's, it's scary. And that's what's so scary. It's like this unknown. And it's also this, you know, giving control to people who you aren't, or who aren't you. And then there's also, like, in horror movies, it's like, oh, an escaped mental patient. Yes. They're the serial killer. And it's, like, the, it's the specter of, like, a repository for people who are not simply criminals. Right. But criminals in a way that it's, like, my God, we have to protect society for them. Yes. Which is a very damaging stereotype. Absolutely. And it's sort of an easy go-to. And what, what I liked about this movie is it kind of explores that fear from the inside yes. of it. So if you, based on the trailer, Allison. Okay. What do we think? Give me some predictions about what the twist might be. Guess the twist. I mean, it's really going to be like if uh, her paranoias are real or not, mm. which, you know, based on the trailer, I can't tell. I mean, right. I think they want you to not be able to tell. But also that her paranoia comes from like the, the, like the, the action that, that led her to being where she is now is just being a victim of someone who was stalking her yes. is so scary because that's very real. Yeah, and stalking is another... In, I think it's like one of those things where it's like, you have no control. Right. You are put in a position where like, logic doesn't make any sense. Like right. the other person is not willing to listen to logic. So you are sort of captive... Yes. To the other person's idea of you, which is similar to mental illness, like when you're putting these facilities, like right. you, it's now does someone think of you as sane or Absolutely. insane? And that's real tough. Yeah. Um, so it looks very scary. I'm very concerned. Mm -hmm. I can't tell, you know, at the outset if it's gonna be if her paranoias are real or if right. they are in fact just paranoia. I don't know. I'm worried for Claire. <clears throat> well, you should be. Here we go. So we hear the voiceover, and it's like a, of a blue forest. We're sort of seeing it, and we, sure. and we hear, it's just someone talking some crazy talker, uh, stalker stuff. It's like, when I saw you, I was transformed permanently. You unlocked something inside of me. Ugh. And it's like the kind of thing where, like, unfortunately, it, like as a woman, or not, again, as a person, right. as a person, when you hear something like that, the you know the person thinks that they're being flattering. You were like, well, that doesn't have anything to do with me, does it? Yeah, no. Like, you're just sort of projecting all of these things onto me. What you think I'll solve for you, what, like, having me, like, exactly. quotes, will will mean for, like, who you are and what your life is. Cut to uh, Claire Foy as uh, Sawyer Valentini. And they already just call set her, her Claire up. Foy. 
Really? <laughs> Sawyer feel I, I don't know if I could get on board with calling her Sawyer and Claire Foy it is. So right. Claire Foy, she's like very like she's a financial analyst for a bank. She just got a new job. She just Ugh, moved across about the country. Scary. No. But she's great. She's great at her job. Sure. She's a little flinty and like kind yes. of she was one coworker named Jill who's like this bitch, but kind of in a fun way. Yeah, it's fun. But so you're like immediately like, oh, she's she comes into every interaction really guarded and really like, you know, on guard. And she has an actual interaction with her boss. Her boss is like, we should go to this conference in New Orleans. I think we'd have a really good time together and mm-hmm. we learn a lot. So you're seeing from her perspective, she's like, are you hitting on me? It, yes. You know, it's like everything is very fraught, but in a way that also feels like realistic. Like if you have gone through something, of course you'd approach the we world know she's, like this. So she's already gone through something when we're yes. catching up with her at her new job. Exactly. And okay. we don't know exactly what it is, but we we can but tell from her demeanor okay. that something, she's on edge about something. Yes. And at a certain point, she sees a man in a beard walking down the hallway of her office and she kind of jumps up. But then she settles back down. It's it was, She thought she saw somebody. It's not, and him. it's not him. Okay. So, um, you know, she goes about her day. She's really buttoned up. She calls her mom every day. And mom's like, I don't know why you had to take this job like 450 miles away from everyone you know, but I miss you. And I'm and the, basically Claire Foy is saying, well, it was the perfect job. And I just had to do it. I, I just, yeah. you know. Um, She also then goes on a Tinder date at night. And you see these guys cat calling her. You t- could see that she's kind of like icing them out, just yeah. sort of. So she meets up with this Tinder date and uh, she says, hey, you know, I we're, we're going to have sex. So don't worry about it. But I do not want a relationship and I, I don't want you to ever call me again. And okay. the guy's like, yeah, that seems fine with me. Yeah, like, that's, isn't that why, like, 90% of men are on Tinder? Right, he's like, yeah, yeah, Tinder. I've been on here before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what this is. It's just a meaningless one-time sex. So they go back to the to her apartment, and they start hooking up. And then she has, like, she basically screams and then kind of, like, throws herself to the ground. And it's obvious that she's having, like, a PTSD reaction. or sure. She's having some trauma reaction. But also, she doesn't tell him, and he doesn't know what to do. So he just leaves. So he leaves her there. Cool. And clearly something has gone in on in her life where, like, you know, she's having these sort of, like, um, you know, she has trauma that she needs to resolve. So the next thing we see her do is she's Googling support groups for victims of stalking. So we know she's been stalking. stalking. So the next thing we see her visiting with a doctor and sort of talking about her life and sort of where she's at. And she was stuck in her hometown. So um, she's outside Boston. Okay. Oh, no, she's in Pennsylvania now. She's from Boston. Sure. So she was stalked for two years. It was really horrible. The person, his name is David Strine, I think. Um, they say his last name so many times. I just want to... Yeah, David Strine. Great. And so he stalked her. And they met... So basically, she was working... She was kind of like, I need to find something to... Sure. Her father died. So she's like, I want to do something that it like volunteering or something to help. So she volunteered at a hospice. So she spent a lot of time with David Strine's father as he died. Okay. David Strine began to fixate on her. From a distance or were they interacting? They interacted, but sort of just like when he was visiting his dad, he would like sit there and watch her. So it's like she's doing this sort of benevolent thing and trying to like take her grief about her father and sort of use it in a good way. Sure. Meanwhile, he's sort of projecting all this obsessive fantasy about her. Yes. And it was really horrible. And essentially she has moved across the, uh, you know, whatever, 400 miles away. Because of this. Okay. And is trying to, like, start a new life. But because she's isolated, she tells the therapist, like, she's, she's been, like, seeing him. Like, when she saw the guy in the office, like, right. she keeps, like, hallucinating his face and then, like, feeling paranoid or whatever. Which to me is like, yeah, that all seems very reasonable. Yes. It does not seem, you know. And then she says to, to um, you know, sort of, like, you know, it's kind of the point where, like, sometimes I think, like, is there even any point to living? And the therapist says, so, okay, so, so what would you— 
have you been having suicidal ideation? Do you right. think about how you do it? And she's like, yeah, basically I had to have thought about it a lot of, uh, you sure. know. And so the therapist, I think, is sort of like, okay, well, it seems like this person might be suicidal. And that's where things start to like, it's unclear sort of where things oh, sort no. of, there's two different roads. There's Claire Foy's understanding of herself and then sort of the institutional understanding of what she has said to them. Yes. On the other hand, there are plenty of people who do have suicidal ideation and do need that immediate help. Right. And it probably it is, is hard to say. It is best medical practice. Yes. But, you know, if that's not really, you know, th- those questions feel tiny bit leading. Right. But, you know, okay, so she signs a bunch of documents. She hands them in. It turns out that she has inadvertently checked herself in for a 24-hour hold, a voluntary hold. Okay. So she goes in, and it's sort of the— as soon as she's admitted— Yes. She doesn't even understand that that's what's happening, because she just did the forms and handed Wait, them so in. so she, like, sees this doctor. Right, they she's talk, like, she's like read like, these forms, and and we'll discuss it, basically. Claire Foy's like, I'll just, just sign them and hand them in. And then as soon as the administrative branch gets, gets it, they're the, like, oh, oh, she needs to be here for 24 hours. Let's get a scan. So they take her back. She immediately starts to get, you know, they have her, they do a full body check. And she's like, why are, Why is this happening? And then she doesn't really understand what's going on until they put her in the ward. So the ward is just like a big open, like, um, dorm type area. Yeah. Men and women, not a ton of people in there, yeah. like 20 total. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, there's been some kind of mistake. Because of the situation, she's very distraught. And so, like, all the stuff well, that she's gone through is already coming up for her. That totally makes sense. Yeah. Like, all of it, like, what's so scary is, like, all of this is tracking very much for, like, yeah, any person plausible. in that scenario exactly. would feel that way. And especially if she actually was mentally ill, this is very a distressing way to do it. Like, yes. nobody's telling her anything. She's no information. Not, the she's, no information is the yes. scariest part. And so a lot of the movie, what I thought was scary about it is, like, I do think that, I'm not saying, like, this is what a real mental institution is like. But when you read about people who are institutionalized, there is a lot of that where, like, I don't have the information. I don't know what my treatment is. I don't know what I'm getting out. I don't— No one's telling me anything. It's a scary scenario. Yes. And so she's there, and so all of her stuff is coming up about, like, her stalking. And you could tell that she's kind of freaking out. And somebody opens the door, and there's a orderly named Dennis, who, he's actually a UCB guy, Zach Cherry. Who, hi, Zach. If we're going to oh, make you yeah. listen to this episode. Super great guy. He's, he's in it. So funny. And he, he's one of the staff members, and um, he's, yeah, he's not funny in this movie. No, but nothing about this movie. Very funny, funny in general. And so um, he opens the door, but in her mind, she sees her stalker. She punches him in the face. It's just out of panic. Right. Which, again, seems like something that would happen in a mental, in like a mental yeah. health ward a lot. People being very agitated and afraid— and then becoming aggressive because of it. Right. She but she decks, and then as soon as she hits him, she sees Zach Cherry. That's yeah. So now the administration's like, okay, it seems like you're violently aggressive, and we're concerned about that. And so she's like, no, 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 I'm not. I, and so she tries to call the cops. She gets one phone call or whatever, or should they it's leave? Like let her use the phone. Yeah, I know exactly. It's like they let her use the phone. She calls the cops. The cops are like, oh boy, we get calls from here all the time. But also like. If you explained to the hospital administration, like, I'm I'm a victim of stalking. Mm-hmm. I am seeing my stalker everywhere. I saw it, like, I, it just seems, like, it always seems like you could be able to, like, talk your way out of it. Well, and I think which that's, is what's so really that's scary. Right. She keeps doing it, and then because she keeps doing it, she just seems crazier and crazier. Right. Because they're like, well, it seems like when you talk to the therapist, the counselor, it, it seemed like you were having suicidal ideation, and that you were sort of having hallucinations of your stalker. And she's like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I was. Yeah. So so the things for her that it's like, yeah, that's why I'm scared, and that's why this is upsetting. Oh, God. But what they're hearing is like, okay, so you are having, like, the psychiatric 
um, symptoms that we need to treat. Right. Unfortunately, because we do not have mental health, good mental health facilities, our treatment is going to make things even worse for you. Yes. And that's what's interesting about this story because you think it's just like about, it is a stalking story. It is a traditional horror movie. But the part that's more interesting is sort of like the idea of you are in a mental health ward and the, all these things are happening that I'm assuming would make it much worse for a lot of people actually dealing with mental health yes. problems. Even if you weren't dealing with any of these mental health issues, it would it would make you feel yeah. crazy. Exactly. Um, so she's there for 24 hours and she's like, okay, I'll get through it, I'll get through it. And so um, then Juno Temple, she plays a character named Violet. She, is that the white girl with the yes, dreads, the, yeah. or the braids? And so she she's obviously very profoundly mentally ill, and she starts really fucking with Claire Foy. And it's essentially, like, ugh, and she's scary. a shiv that she made out of a spoon, and she's like, I'm going to cut your hair. But again, you're like, she's very mentally ill. You know, like, yeah. she's, oh, well, that's not good, and that, that needs to be addressed. But also, I'm going to cut your hair. Ooh. And so they end up getting into an altercation. And again, the administration was like, okay, so this this patient's actually very, um, might be a danger to herself or others. So, About Claire Foy? Claire or, Foy. Okay. Because she does get into a fight. Like, it is, like, violent. Like, yeah. it's like an escalating altercation. So things just look worse and worse. And every time Claire Foy tries <laughs> to explain to herself, it's like, yeah, everyone says they're not they're not crazy and they should be yes. allowed to leave. You right. know, so we get it. We're, no one's crazy, but, like, we should keep you here. Yeah, you're not. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so she's there, and she's super antagonistic to everyone, too. So she, like, keeps starting fights. And the only person who's nice to her, but she's not even nice to him, is Jay Farrow. And he's there because, I guess, like, the mental, the facility has, like, a, it's basically, like, a four-week, like, um, opioid treatment sure. where you go through withdrawal. So he's not there for mental health, but he's very sympathetic because he's like, I understand, you know, I, we have to be in the facility. It's very difficult. And so they kind of have, like, a moment, but she's like, I don't belong here. I'm not crazy, all this stuff. Which, yeah. again, makes you seem even crazier. Of course. Saying I'm not crazy is, like, the signifier of being right crazy in so, these movies. So finally, she goes, and they're like, okay, well, we're going to put you on some, like, was antipsychotic medication just to try it out. We're just going to see how it goes. Yeah. And she's like, I, I regretfully will accept that I have to take that. She goes to get the pills. The orderly giving the pills is her stalker. And she, she looks. That, that she sees. Yeah, and it. she looks and she's like, because for a minute she's like, I must be hallucinating. It's him. <gasps> or it looks exactly like him. Okay. The man, because his name is David, and the man on this name tag says George Shaw. And she's like, this was my stalker. He broke into my house. So again, she looks very, even more. Yes. She looks like she's delusional or, right. or she's having some sort of psychotic episode. And he's like, I'm not that guy. Exactly. Okay. He's like, I'm really sorry. I don't know what, this, uh, you know, I, right. I'm sorry if I did something or whatever. And so she's like, oh, shit. This, I am now locked in this facility with my stalker. And, of course, nobody believes her at this point. Oh, my point. God. That's so scary. And she ends up, because she ins- assaulted the staff member, she ends up being held for a week. And they're, and yet again, essentially in Pennsylvania, and I believe this, I didn't yeah. research it, but you can hold someone on a psychiatric hold for a week before you have to get a court order. Okay. And so they're saying, like, you are— Especially, I'm sure if you're violent, if, you know, there's yes, violence exactly. or whatever. That's what they're saying. Yeah. And so it's like, even if you're, even if her violence is based on like panic and like confusion or whatever, it doesn't matter. It is then held against you. And I bet that that does happen. Like, that seems like, yeah, 100%. that's probably. 100%. That's yeah. why this part, this kind of movie and this genre of horror is like, mm. I think, the scariest because you're like, yeah, this could happen Absolutely. to me. Absolutely. It seems very plausible. No one's going to kill me in my dreams and like the devil isn't real and those movies, but like, this is a reality that I'm sure uh, happens and yeah. is very scary. And so she sees this new doctor, Dr. Hawthorne, and he's like, okay, we're going to keep you for the week. We're going to treat you. Does he seem 
Well, basically, as a viewer, are we? Does he feel trusting? He feels does like he fe- patronizing, but like he does think that she has a medical problem. Okay, but like in a way that like, well, we're gonna figure this out. Okay, she ends up hanging out with Nate, and Nate's like, "Hey, here's Nate's Jay Farrow. Yeah, Jay Farrow. He's like, here's the thing. This is a terrible medical facility, and what they do is um, they're the reason they're keeping you this long is because you have insurance, and your insurance approved this day. They're locking up sane people for profit. I'm here for seven days because my insurance company approved it. Boom. They don't actually care if you get well. They're collecting the money. They're going to take that money. Anyone just interjecting, I'm not going to use any names. Weirdly, a friend of mine's, one of her parents, was in this, it was in a similar situation where he was checked into a rehab. He does, he's not an addict. He has mental health problems. Yeah. However, once he was checked in, and look, I'm sure they could have helped him in some way. Sure, sure. Once he was checked in, they're like, Oh, but he has insurance, so I think we're going to go ahead and uh, keep him Just for a keep little him bit. for as long as we can to collect that money. And, uh, you know, her family had to figure it out. And, you know what I mean? He's doing okay now. But it was sort of like that idea where it's like, it it was an unscrupulous decision, but they're like, well, if somebody's going to pay for it, sh- I think that that is not an uncommon yes, experience. I agree. And he's like, well, they're going to keep you as long as your insurance will pay, which is usually seven days. After that, you yeah, know, you're, you're going to get kicked off and then they'll let you out. So you just have to buckle down and get through a week. You just have to get through it. Oh, my God. And she's like, but it's obviously very distressing. She's like, I'm not crazy. I shouldn't be here. I am now locking here with my stalker. Yeah. That's where we're at. Does Jay Farrow, (laughs) I forgot his name already, um, believe that her stalker, does he believe her that her stalker is there? Or is he just like not part of that discussion? We don't, he, I think we think he doesn't really know. Okay. So he's very sympathetic to her, that she's very distraught. But he, on some level, was like, I actually don't know. I don't know whether to believe you or, or that kind of thing. Right. And also, she does keep getting into fights with, like, Violet. And yeah. she she is someone who is, like, very combative out of distress. But it makes her look like, oh, she is unhinged. Yes. And, like, at one point, Violet goes to, like, mess with her. And she just throws a hot cup of coffee in Violet's face. Oh, that's cool. And it's like, well, that is assault. That's I mean, a- she, maybe she was asking for it, but, like, that does make you it seem looks bad. Yeah. So, uh, so you know, we're there, and basically she's like, I got to get through this, you know, and a couple days go by. And um, she, yeah, so she ends up getting meds, and as she's getting meds, the guy who she believes to be her stalker, George David, yeah, takes something out of his pocket, and it's a piece of mail <gasps> from her to from her to her mother that he has stolen, we were assuming stolen from her apartment, so this is that he's showing her evidence. I am that I guy. I am that guy. And there's nothing you could do about it. So she flips out. She's like, I told you everybody. He went to, he stole my mail, blah, blah, blah. And again, nobody believes her. And she keeps getting physically Does restrained. Does he explain the, like, I mean, is she like, look, he has that letter. No, like, he just puts it back in his pocket. And he's like, oh, one of the patients is acting up. And so no then she one- gets physically restrained. But, like, no one's like, wait, does he have a piece of mail? Well, so he's he has a, an assumed identity. And so she talks to Dr. Arthur, and he's like, we've vetted George Shaw. George Shaw has an impeccable record. She's like, yeah, it's not George Shaw. Yeah, he has taken someone else's identity. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, again, you are a psychiatric patient. We're not going to get into it. Okay, so at this point, what would you do, Allison? What would you do? You were locked. You were locked in a ward. You cannot leave with your soccer. Can and I you make now a have phone evidence- call? Well, um, you can make a phone call. I would call my insurance company and be like, stop. I'm canceling my insurance. That's really Do funny. not cover any of this. Oh, unless- my God. See, that actually, I think, would work. That's I think it would work. I think it would work. Because the movie is a critique more of, of, the, of the health of the insurance, insurance company. Systems. 
I mean, it's a stalking movie, but also, like, it, it is, is that. like, oh, they'll, like, they don't, it's not about patient care. It's about collecting money. So I would that call, would 100% I would call work. Blue Cross of New York and Alice, be you're like, a genius. hey, I, whatever the coverage is that you're paying for right now at this facility, stop paying right now. Um, I'm canceling my coverage. I don't yeah. want anything and, and see if they would let you go. That would be my first move, I guess. Absolutely. Based on the information that we have. So she ends up calling her mom. And uh, that would be my next call. Yeah. And her mom, so it turns out she never told her mom about being stalked. So I think she's like, we're supposed to believe like she's very, like, you know, it was so traumatic. She just couldn't yeah. tell anyone and, and, you know, that kind of thing, which I must be as a, you should real. try to tell everybody. Yes. And just be like, please, if anything ever Keep seems an eye weird, on me yeah. and everything else. And it's funny because, like, there is something about, like, this is the white woman's dilemma, where it's like, you want to ask for a manager, yes. but no way the manager but doesn't there, believe you. Yes. Um, but also everyone in there is, like, very, like, yeah. it just, it's set up in a way where you're like, this is very sad. Like, everyone here needs better care, but also ain't nobody going to pay for this, no. you know? And so, um, oh, she ends up using Nate's, he has, like, a, a phone he brought in illegally or whatever against yeah. policy. And she's like, can I use it? I'll suck your dick. And he's like, you could just use my phone. Yeah, he's like, we don't need to bring, like, It's like, hey, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm but good. also, he seems like, oh, he's a genuinely, like, nice person. We trust him. Who is, yes, we trust him. Who is trying to, like, you help, know what I mean? Help be there for her. And just sort of get through his own time and, you yes. know, that kind of thing. And they have, like, a flirtation. And she, at some point, was like, well, you know, when we get out of here, maybe we could, whatever. And he's like, yeah, no. We are totally different people. Like, you have no idea who we are outside of this. You have no idea who I am or what I'm about. Also, like, why would he want to be with, like, her? Like, she's... Where he doesn't know what, what's going on. But yeah. even if he's obs- accepting of that, it's like, you're just saying that because you're in here We're- and I'm the only person who seems normal, you know, and, like, yeah. is nice to you. So she calls her mom, and luckily her mom immediately believes everything. Of course. And it's like, this Ugh, is ridiculous. God bless moms. Yeah. And her name is Angela. She's like, I'm going to show up there. So she shows up there the next day, and she's like, you know, basically talks to the administration. It's like, I need to get her out of here. I'm going to call my cops. I'm going to call my lawyer. And what it comes down to is because she assaulted the staff member, they can just keep her for the rest of the seven days. seven days. Like, legally, it's allowed. And there's really not anything she could do because that has nothing to do with her. She's an adult. Like, your mom can't, if you were 17. If you were a minor, that'd be a Exactly. Story. They're like, you have nothing to do with this. We don't have to respond to any, you know. But she goes to the cops. The cops are like, we're really sorry, but, you know, this is what they told us. And the administrator was like, and then there's a woman who's sort of the head of the administration. She's like, I think that if you let her stay here, she might actually get, like, help, some help she needs. I know it's hard to think about that part, but it's like, she's obviously very distressed. So they're I, selling her on treatment exactly. as, like, an this actual solution. This is all solution. a lie. We know that they are, like, we're just going to put her in a cafeteria and not and give her medication and not provide yeah. any sort of other support. Of course. And the mom's like, this is bullshit. And she calls her lawyer, and she's trying to figure it out. Uh-huh. Um, but she's like, I'll be back. She's staying at a hotel. She's like, I will visit you every day until the end of the week. Don't worry. We're going to get through this. Yeah, yeah. We're going to get through this. And, and Clifford's like, oh, thank God. Like, you know what I mean? And it is only a couple more days. She's like, I can deal with this. And also, her stalker hasn't really been trying to, like, do anything. Right. He's there, and it's terrifying, but has not been but interacting with he's not, with like, her. you know, hovering outside of her room. Right, or, or like, trying to, like, yeah. touch her or anything. Unfortunately, that changes right about now. Oh, good. The, um, so felt like it had to. The mom goes to a um, hotel. Okay, and we hear a knock at the door that <gasps> evening, and a man's voice says maintenance. Mm-mm. And you know it's a George David's voice. Of course it is. Meanwhile, he has the next time that she gets medication with him, 
he gives her some kind of whatever. He mixes up her medication. Yeah. She goes into a full psychotic episode. She's aggressive. She breaks the TV. Again, because her medication is messed up. Right. And no, but nobody knows But nobody's going to like— They're like, oh, okay, she is psychotic. We have to— you And know. they're not going to do any blood tests or like figure out like what— Yeah. And well, eventually they do, and they figure out that she was given the wrong medication. And he—basically he gets like— The nurse gives him a talking to. And it was like, you can't do that. It does happen. You can't do it. And yeah. George David's like, I am so sorry. This was a huge mistake. Whatever we have to do to fix this. Ooh. A genuine mistake. It yeah. obviously isn't. He's right. trying to force her into being kept at this locked ward. But if you believe this woman has all these psychotic tendencies yeah. and that she's being, she's been violent and that she isn't, you know, that they don't trust her, that like, yeah, of course, why would you, like, that happens yeah. all the time. And so Nate's like, man, you broke the TV. And she's like, I didn't mean to. I don't know what's going on. And then she, that's when she starts to be like, maybe I am mentally ill. Maybe this is true. That's the scariest like, exactly. moment where you're like, now I don't know what reality because is. Because they don't tell her that she was do- like dosed with medication and they never tell her. So in her mind, okay, she's that's like, insane and feels um like illegal. Well, I think that it is. I think okay. we're supposed to believe like the part the part of the reason that this whole stock thing is even able to happen is that like this is a this is literally just designed to drain people's insurance money. Yes. They don't care about the patients, and they won't tell her because then she could potentially sue them. Right. So they're like, well, we're just not going to bring it up, and if she brings it up, we'll say, like, okay, well, yeah. we'll figure out But, like, whatever. who's going to guess, like, Exactly. You know. So, again, another issue where it could have been brought up, and, you know, she sort of talks about his her life, like, she wanted to be a, a med student, but it never really panned out. She didn't have the drive, but— she had this relationship with her father, and she talks about, like, going back to the hospice, and and that's yeah. where she met David, and then he became obsessed with her. Yeah. And she blocked his calls, and there's a cameo. She eventually had to go get a protective order, order of protection from the police in yes. Boston, which gives us a, a little cameo from Mr. Matt Damon. Oh, that's fun. And he plays the detective, <laughs> and it's a great little scene because he's basically like, okay, here's what you have to do in order to protect yourself from a stalker. Change your entire life. Narrow your life down to a pinpoint. Delete all your social media, change everything of like how do you go to work, how you live your life, tell all your friends. And it's so daunting and terrible. And then yeah. he gives her a copy of um the gift, Gavin DeBecker's The Gift of Fear. Oh my God. And sort of it's like like to prepare, it's sort of like instead of like dealing with the fact that if someone is obsessed with stalker, it's like you have to change your life in right. a way that is going to make you paranoid and upset and scared all the time. Yeah. And uncomfortable. And 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 that's essentially why she moved away. Because she's like, if I move away, then at least I can— I have to start over. Yeah. And uh, it's a great little scene. It also—it just made me very sympathetic with people. It's like, yes, stalking is insane. The fact yeah. that anyone has to do it's any insane. of this is, is wild. Um, so, uh, meanwhile, George David has noticed her sort of flirtation, but like friendship with Nate. So, of course, he has to come for Nate. Yeah. He takes Nate into the basement— he gives him electroshock therapy <gasps> and ends up forcing him to have an OD on fentanyl. So oh, he, no. he he gives him fentanyl and he ODs. Yeah. And then he leaves the body in the basement with the idea that if they find him, it's It'll like, It'll be oh, like, oh, he, he was an opioid addict. Yeah, somebody he, smuggled yeah. it in or whatever, yeah. and that he died, and that's not our fault. Why is there fentanyl at this place? Well, I guess it's like prison where it's like, if people are addicts, like, people will— there. Yeah, they'll, they'll, give it, they'll sell you whatever, yeah. and, like, they'll take advantage of that. But, yeah, the idea is like, okay, he— it, it, they're not going to be able to pin it on George David. Right. And uh, meanwhile, Claire Foy is trying to call her mom. This is the next day. Okay. So this has all been happening literally less than a week. And so she's calling on. into mom's hotel, the mom's cell phone. She's not picking up. Oh, no. And she's like, well, I got to talk to Nate about this. Now Nate's not there. 
And she's like, I know oh, it's God, my stalker. She's so alone. And again, she's trying to tell, like, people, it's like, I know my mom's, my, my mom's not calling me back. I think it's my stalker. And they're like, oh, girl, you got to calm down. And so she takes her medication from George mm-hmm. David. Yeah. But now she's paranoid about it. So she doesn't swallow it. And she goes to put it in her pillowcase. And when she goes into her pillowcase, she finds her mother's wedding ring. <gasps> and she's screaming and she's trying to, like, show it to the administration. They're like, eh. again, this is evidence of we nothing. Yeah. We don't know your mother or what her— like, Yeah. And yeah. later, similarly, uh, George David has put a cell phone in her pillowcase. Sure. And his pictures of him torturing Nate on it. <gasps> so, of course, she so, immediately goes to give people— Yada, yada, yada. She ends up getting into a fight with Violet. The phone is confiscated, but nobody actually looks at it. And she is put in solitary confinement, oh which she's God. been threatened with before. Yes. So she's literally which in is a, the padded, scariest. a windowless padded cell in the basin of this administration. With no concept of how time is passing or how to contact anyone. And also, she's now totally vulnerable to George David coming in and doing whatever he wants. Exactly. Ah. So, of course, he does. And he's like, hey, don't be scared. I did disconnect the security camera so we could have some privacy. Also, your mom gave me that ring because she wants us to get married. And Claire Foy's like, all right. Nope. Nope. Absolutely Absolutely not. not. And at one point, he's like crawling across the floor towards her and she's in the corner. And it's just sort of like, you know, it's just like, oh, I thought I've gone, things have gone from bad to worse. Yes. I thought it was bad when I was at that locked ward and he was making everyone think I, I, was, I was mentally ill. And I am in a basement with no way oh to God. escape. And no way to tell anybody. And ugh. Yeah, and he's like, I have a cabin that's off the grid in, in New Hampshire. We can go there. We can start a family. Why is she's that like, appealing? What are you talking about? And then there's a certain scene where, like, she's sort of baiting him. And it it makes me think, like, she's essentially going to try to get him to, to, to get her kill out. her. Oh. No, she's like, just kill me because I yeah. can't deal with this. I don't, I would there's rather no die There's no escape here. from that terror. So she's like, you know, like, you're pathetic. Like, you, you're an idiot. Like, the person that you think I am, I doesn't exist. The person you're in love with, like— you're a dunce. And so he starts to choke her. And she's like, just do it. Great. You know, choke me. So he stops, of course. Because he's not going to give her anything that she wants. He's like, you're right. this is not the person you are, you know, like, deep in this, like, delusion about, like, you know, what their relationship is. So then she's like, I got to flip the script. Because I'm still— This in, isn't working. I'm in the basement. And ain't nobody come and check on me. Nope. So, meanwhile, we see that the jogger has found a body in the woods— not too far from the facility. Sure. And um, he goes, so George David comes back down. And he says, um, hey, just so you know, I changed your insurance um, information. So it looks like you already left. So as far as the facility knows, you, you're, you're not gone. Here. So no one's going to be checking on you. So it, I could either keep you here or I could take you. No one will have any idea who you are. And she's like, that's not true. Mom, my mom will know, you know. Oh my God. This I is think so she scary. knows Nate's dead, but she's like, yeah. people from my work would know. And she, he's like, they're not going to, no one's going to check on you. Like, you're mentally ill and you're yeah, locked what, in the facility. Did people at work not—I mean, I know that they're not going to—like, if, if my guess, coworker was gone for a week, like, I don't know that I would be, like, calling around. But I would definitely say something to somebody. My understanding is that some—whether it was the administration or her mother or somebody, somebody told them, like, hey, just, you know, she's here, had, here for psychiatric treatment. So I think that they're like, okay, okay she's— cool. Yeah, she's not in danger. She's doing what she has to do. Right. And um, we'll just have to check with her later. Yeah. You know, and, and it's— not optimal, but we it's don't think happening. that she's in any kind of danger. Okay. So then finally, David brings her down a breakfast sandwich. Great. And Clearfoy says, thank you. That's actually really considerate of you. You know, a lot of people don't really notice what people eat for breakfast, so I just want to thank you. And she starts being next to him. Okay. Allison, who's going to survive this movie? 
will survive. Well, you know, a lot. some people have already died. Um, I mean, I want Claire Foy to survive. Yes. I want the stalker to die. Yes. Uh, and I'm sure somebody else, that nurse who's been like a real, like an asshole. Yeah. I think it's time for her to die. Like, there needs to be comeuppance there. Right. For, you know, being like, you're, yeah. So. That's my prediction. And then what And you, my hope. Do you think, it, uh, not necessarily, well, like, do you think there'll be another twist? Or if not a twist per se, what do you predict? I well, what's going to happen from here? Something is coming where it's not just going to be like, either she escapes or she does Like, I, it's still like, I mean, my fear is that we've, we don't know what was real and what was not real. Right. This whole time and who you could trust. Um, yeah. There's a twist coming, but I don't know what it is. So Claire Foy says, David, you know, actually, I do love you. And I absolutely want to be with you. But the thing is, like, I think you're a virgin and you've never had sex with someone. So I think you need to have sex with someone else before me because I just don't want to be your first. I need you to see what you've been missing and then decide if you still want me. And David's like, I I am a virgin because I'm very, a lot of things are wrong with me that I've never dealt with and never will. And um, I guess I will do that if that's like the only thing you want from me. And she's like, great, we'll bring that person down here and yeah. and fuck her in front of me. And David's like, I don't want to do that. And Claire Foy's like, well, it's this like, is You'll what, do all this other stuff. He's like, Why won't what you do that? Is. It's like, will you sacrifice? Ask, yeah, somebody asks you to do something, you do it. Yeah. And he, David's like, wow, that's a really good point, and I will do it. <laughs> Such good logic. Like, actually, when you think about it, and that's what um, love is. so he, she, he said, well, who do you want me to bring down? And she says, Violet. Mm. So he brings that's Violet right. down There's in the Violet. middle of the night. And she's like half asleep, like, what the fuck? And so she... He, she he brings her in, and she's like, "Oh no, what the fuck? What's this bitch doing here? Whatever we're doing, yeah. Why are we down here without anyone else?" So he starts to rape Violet. Great. While Claire Foy is sitting there cross-legged, sort of directing the scene. Sure. And then, sort of, you know, Violet is freaking out, and yeah. Claire Foy goes to her and sort of has this moment where he's like, "She's like, you know, I realized that you were messing with me, but not because you hated me, because you wanted my attention." Yeah. And she kisses Violet, and Violet kisses her back. Okay. And they have this sort of, like, steamy mental institute basement padded cell kiss. That's how everybody wants to be kissed. And Claire Foy reaches into Violet's pants and pulls out her shiv and stabs David in the neck. Okay. So that's the whole reason she wanted David right. She knew she had a weapon. Exactly. Unfortunately, she's able to get out of the cell. Violet is not so lucky. David snaps Violet's neck <gasps> like he's Bane or something. Like it's the like hell? that. Like point. he's already like bleeding out. Yes, and uh, right. So like, she, he's stabbed in a way that makes you think like, oh, he's not going to be able to come out of here. He's going like he's a super villain. Like at this point, he's like a Batman. Villain. Of course. And so poor Violet's dead. R.I.P. R.I.P. And so um, Claire Foy gets out of the building and she's running and she's trying to figure out where to go. And she where hides do behind. You go? <laughs> right, exactly. She has nothing. She has no idea. She has no money. You're an she's escaped no, mental patient. She's wearing like, like essentially yeah. like scrubs, you know, and like flip flops. Right. And she's hiding behind like sort of a wall. I think it's like water treatment or there's some mm. kind of like metal Thing. structure outside. And she's hiding there. And of course, she turns around. David just whacks her in the head. How is this guy alive? She wakes up in his trunk. <gasps> and we were to assume that he's driving them to New um, Hampshire. Right. And. She wakes up next to something or someone. Who does she wake up next to? I I don't want to say it's Violet's body because there's no reason to be bringing that. But I guess the you don't need a dead body behind you. 
Or maybe Dr. Hoff. Like, it's her mom's dead body. Her mom. Her mom's rotting dead body that's in a garbage bag. Great. And she, it's it, it's shot in night vision, so <gasps> we're to understand that oh she God, can't that's... see who it is. So she's feeling her mother's face, and the only way she's able to recognize her mother is that her mother has a um a cross like a big cross necklace. Okay. And she takes it off her mother, and she's like crying and freaking out, and is able to get the trunk open, and then gets out, and they're driving through the forest, and she's like, she just jumps, this? jumps she, out of a moving car. Jumps, yeah, and she rolls into the dirt, and so David of course slams the brakes because he hears her. Yeah. And then it is a forest. It's night. Free for all. No, it's like dawn. It's like okay. very early morning. Oh, night vision because we were in. Uh, yeah, the trunk. Trunk. So in the meantime, we also know the body in the forest was George Shaw, the actual George Shaw that David I killed see. to take his identity. So now the cops are like, oh, oh. and they call the facility, and it's the facility is basically like you don't know which of the administration and therapists are actually like good people. Yeah, the administrative administrative head, she don't give a fuck. No. But, like, the woman at the front desk is like, oh, yeah, that ain't good. You know, no. they, they're more willing to engage with it. So the cops— Well, none of it's good. Someone's still dead. Like, <laughs> Right, but they didn't—basically the connection of, like, oh, we had somebody working here with that name. And right. now the they're person like, with that name— coincidence. Exactly. Well, they sure are willing to brush off a lot. So now Claire Foy and David are having, like, a brawl run freak In the out woods. Through this, and the woods are, like, the blue woods from the beginning. Right. So it's sort of like, this is where it's all—we all began here, and it's all going to end here. And um, David ends up knocking her to the ground, and he's like, and she's unconscious. And yeah. he says, I feel like I'm finally looking at the real you. <gasps> and it's sort of like, that's what he wants, is he just wants to totally compliant, yeah. not a real person, not, right. a, not even like just a real a, thing. Yeah. Something for him to project a all vessel. of his stuff. Um, while this is all going on, the cops show up and are like, we have a warrant. That we know that someone here was murdered. We need to figure this out. We're, we're, something has been going on. They get in, they find Violet's body in the of basement course. and a bunch of blood that yeah. David has sprayed everywhere. Of course. And they're like, yeah, this facility is getting locked out and the <laughs> FBI or whoever comes in, the state is coming in. We're going through all your papers. Something is going on here. You have a dead patient. David starts to, of course, sexually assault um, Claire Foy. And in her final moment of strength, she takes her mom's Cross necklace, rams it in his eye. Oh, my God. And then she still has uh, Violet's shiv, slashes his throat. Okay. And so he did. Finally. And there's, like, his blood is, like, spraying onto her her tank top. And then she has to, like, get up and, like, shakily go back. Yeah, and, like, where is she? And, like, what? Like... So the final twist is that you find out that um, Nate wasn't a patient. He was, like, an embedded journalist that had checked in... Because he was doing a big, basically a story about how the whole hospital, whatever the hospital system, system. The, the whoever's owning all these behavioral centers was completely corrupt. So they're like, he actually never used opioids. This this can't be he. The the idea that he OD'd isn't is, yeah. And so early we saw a um, orderly who I think is also another. UCB guy. I'm glad so many comedians made their ways into this movie. Yeah, I guess because it was shot in New York, so oh, it's sort of so like... there's always just like a plethora of comics who are like, I can act. Listen, you gotta get the work. Get the work. And so um, he found... They were clearing out, like, Nate... Ha- they, everyone has, like, a little locker, so they find yeah. Nate's locker, and they find his notebook of journalists. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. So he turned notebook it into the... Notebook of journalists? Well, literally, like, his <laughs> notes about, like, yeah. everything he's noticed. And he... Doing the right thing, the orderly gives it to the administrator to be like, oh my God, there's all this stuff going on. Yeah. And the administrator's like, yeah, I'll take a look at that. Throws it in a cabinet, locks the door, doesn't do shit. Cool. Even though there's like all this stuff about like everything horrible that's been happening. Yes. They, the, the cops find that and they end up arresting the woman who's the head of administration. Okay. Cut to six months later. 
Okay. Claire Foy is back at work. You know, she's looking great. She's Oof. feeling fine. She's having lunch with Jill. Great. They're friends. Oh, and she got, just got a promotion. Everything's great. And then she looks, and she sees a guy who's facing away from her, but it, it's David. And he's talking, and it sounds like he's talking about her. Like, I met her, and she's so great. And maybe she wasn't interested in me at first, but, you know, I think she's really going to be, you know, whatever. And so she picks up a knife, and she goes, and she's about to stab him. And he turns around, and he looks at her, and it's not him. Right. It's a delusion. And so she drops the knife, and she runs out in the street. So I think the idea is, like, she is free, but she will she's never, never be free. free. She's yeah. never going to be free, which is what's so scary about this kind of thing. So my question for you is, how would you prove you're sane in this scenario? Oh, what God. do you think you would do? You already had the idea of calling the insurance yeah, company. Yeah, I mean, I would call my insurance company. <laughs> I, I feel like I would call, like, the newspapers or something like that. Like, at least alert somebody who is on the cops. Right. To, oh. like, come look at what's going on. Yes. People who have, like, a analytic um, eye and position to be like, hold on, this isn't all what it seems. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I think that. Um, there's nothing you could do to prove to the staff that you were seeing. Right, yeah. So. It's like you almost, like, just want to call everyone you know and be like, could you just come down here for, like, a day? Right. And, like, talk to you. Like, right. The talk more amongst people, yourselves. Yeah. The more people who, like, knew and saw what was going on, like, the better chance you have of being like, oh, wait, this is, like, not the right. Exactly. Um, treatment or person or whatever. If more people had known she was had being stalked and knew what her stalker looked like, they'd be able to be like, yeah, that's that guy. Yeah. Yeah. So what? I guess it's uh, tell people if you're being stalked. Yeah. I think that is a good moral It's a story. good moral. It's a good lesson. That would be my big fatal mistake. Fatal mistakes. You gotta tell people. It's like you gotta, because like then otherwise no one knows. And yeah. then no one believes you. Because it's like a new story for them. I guess my fatal mistake is um, you always gotta read the documents yourself. Yeah, re- especially medical ones. Unfortunately. It I don't sucks. like it to read it any more than you do. I hate but. reading, but you know. You gotta read the documents so you don't accidentally check yourself into a mental institution, unfortunately. And then never be allowed out because uh, everything unravels from there. Um, I, I so as we discussed, like it really is a lot about like it, it, the 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 only the reason the movie could exist is because the medic the American health insurance industry is so flawed. It's so deeply flawed. So I was thinking, what other industry could you then leverage okay. to make a horror movie? Here are my suggestions. All right, let's hear them. The gig economy. Gig economy, for sure. In general, so my mind, it's sort of like, well, this isn't gig. Well, okay, the economy, but then my thought from there is you work at, like, an Amazon warehouse where it's, like, it's not a real job. They pay you, like, however you have to stack boxes or whatever, or fill boxes. You keep seeing something in the warehouse, yes. but you're you're like you're you're exhausted. You're so exhausted. Your your um, supervisors. Not cons- yeah, you're not considered a person exactly like, in that kind of context. So you keep trying to tell them like something is wrong in the warehouse, and they're like, uh, uh, "I'm sorry, did you fill a hundred boxes this hour? Right. I don't. That's the only thing I give a shit about." Yeah. And then the other one I thought of, and this there's this horrible. I think it was The Verge. Uh, there was a horrible article. The people have been writing about this recently, like Facebook moderators or social media moderators yes. who then have to watch all of these all of the ter- horrible like, things, murder and sexual assault, all these horrible videos, and how it it leads you to have PTSD. I think that, and they, they too have quotas. So I think they could be like, something is going on. I keep seeing like. I'm surprised there hasn't been a horror movie about that specific. I'm sure people are writing it right now because it's so terrifying. It's awful. You know, on Hulu, there was, they do like um, Huluween, like they do shorts. There is a um, a short about this. Um, But do, what what kind of industry do you think? 
Do you have any other I do think general gig economy and, like, just, like, exhaustion for no money. Uh, like, all, like, I mean, I do think, like, as as terrible and flawed as Uber is and its ability to keep its uh, patrons safe, mm-hmm. it also, I think, just, like, abuses the hell out of, like, anybody who needs money. Um, so kind of, like, that world. Yeah, because it's sort of, like, there is the idea of, like, well, I don't want to do this because I think maybe there's a ghost or a serial killer. Right. But I need that money because right. I don't get paid a salary. I, I mean, that paid. job is going around and picking up strangers. Or, you know, oh my if God, you're in, yeah. food de- in food delivery, like, going and, like, stopping by people's houses and, like, you know, maybe being subject to, like, whatever horrors are going on there. So I feel like that could very easily get that treatment, but Absolutely. also, like, is an industry that needs uh, serious critique about the way that it treats human beings. Um, I just want to say the the, the Huluween short, which you can watch on Hulu or on YouTube, actually, it's called Flagged. And it's about a young woman. When a young woman takes a new position as a moderator for a major social media platform, she quickly realizes the job description may have left out some deadly details. Oof. So that's more of a supernatural thing. Yeah. Um, I think these are all insanely good ideas. Yeah. And then finally, spooky scale. I'm How put- spooky for you? One to ten screams. How spooky? A spooky scale. I'm giving this like an eight mm-hmm. because that's a realistic scenario. Um. This could happen. You don't know who you're trusting. You have zero control. Mm-hmm. All of it's kind of like, what am I looking at? And also just like the being trapped. Yeah. I would say, I would give it a six. Mm-hmm. I thought. Oh, wow. And right. to me, the, all the stuff about like being trapped in a facility and not being trusted and stuff, that is so genuinely terrifying that it almost made the stalker stuff. Yes. It, it's almost like it was two different movies, which I, look, I, it's ambitious. Right. But it almost made that less interesting because I've seen stalker movies before. I had not seen this particular take on, essentially, the healthcare, the insurance company forcing you to be in a horror in a, movie. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Guys, thank you so much for letting us spoil yet another movie for it's you. It's been a delight. A scary one, but a delight. Please join us next time where we'll just record another movie for you. Yeah. And in the meantime. Don't keep it spooky. Why would you tell them <laughs> that? Keep it spooky. I Don't listen spookies. to her. Ugh, fine. Bye. Bye. Ruined is a Radio Point production with executive producers Alex Bach, Sabrina Fonfetter, and Houston Snyder. Recorded and edited by Kat Iosef. Ruined.